Jester Radio number five for the week. Got this is my most famous person I've ever had on. Definitely the person with the most followers and the most social media traction. So Marlon, bro, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for you know taking the time out of your busy day to be here. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you very much uh, for having me and that uh, flattering intro. But uh, <laughs> I do appreciate it. Thank you. So most people should know who you are. Maybe they don't because obviously my, my following is mainly fitness. But you want to basically, in a summary, explain what you do and who you are. Absolutely. So I am a professional safari guide and wildlife photographer. I um, currently co-own a company here in Johannesburg called WildEye and we travel abroad. So we do mainly Africa, taking guests on safari through Africa largely, but also select few international destinations. And basically it's, it's the coolest job because I can sit with somebody in a vehicle in, in South Africa and Zambia and Amara watching the great migration or watching a jaguar hunting in Brazil and I get to take photographs, I get to teach people how to get, take photographs um, and I get to see some of the most beautiful places on the planet and that's what I've been doing for the last seven years. Um, so in the capacity of safari guide, I'm also a um, accomplished photographer, so ambassador for Sony Alpha um, camera systems and a couple of other engagements as well and it's just incredible to be able to share with people uh, I think in a world to, that we live in today the just the beauty that they have around them being able to expose them to to nature in a way that's relevant and fresh and you know being in a position to travel and spend I mean I think I spend 150 days a year 200 days a year on safari in the field my wife, um, bless her for uh, looking yeah, after the... Big ups to her a, for, for allowing you to do that. Yeah, got a couple of crazy kids at home as well. And so it's, it's a fortunate lifestyle, but, um, you know, worked hard for it before doing what I do now. I was in the, in the lodge and safari industry, so lodge-based guide for about seven years. Uh, lastly, working with a fantastic company called Singita. So in this travel, tourism, safari industry, industry for the last 15 years or so. That is crazy. You actually just got back from a trip the other day. So you're one of the people that are actually are fortunate to be able to travel in this tough time of lockdown and the way we are with coronavirus. So obviously you're in the travel business. You must have been heavily affected and you must have had many trips that have been cancelled and many trips that have planned that I'll have to maybe be postponed. But now you did go away last week. Uh, where were you? Thanks for reminding me of the great situation we're in. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one no. needs reminding these days. No, I'm kidding, man. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it is it's it's horrible times, man. Like unprecedented. I I remember when so when when news first hit of Corona, I was in the Himalayas, so um, I was uh, far abroad um, in the mountains. And when I got back, I got a couple of text messages from my wife, and she said, uh, "Just." Um, there's talks I saw reports on Facebook or something about a new virus in, in Asia just be careful and going through airports I was like oh it sounds interesting I'll just you know I'll just be careful where I touch here and there but it didn't make much of it you know and literally 10 days later I was on the plane back to India to do um, not the Himalayas but the, the, the tiger experiences and and then it was a bit more of a concern you know and then I, I remember for the first time ever I flew with a face mask not in the plane but through the airports and um, it was I, I always have hand sanitizer with me, but I, I was more careful then. And it was still just early days. No one quite knew what was coming. And geez, I think, uh, you know, a few weeks after that, it took the world by storm. And especially our industry, you know, we are in the, we, 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 don't, we don't have a huge local following. So for our company, 
we travel a lot, we're a well-established safari company, but we depend on international clients. And it's definitely had a massive impact on, on the industry. I think the worst is not knowing. So not knowing and or having a, a you know, if you work towards a goal of, right, by February, things are looking good, then you can plan accordingly. You can budget and you can set things out. And But that's been the most challenging thing in our industry is just um, not quite knowing when things return to normal. There was a glimmer of hope as the world started opening up, but everyone's gone back into lockdown. And yeah, it's a crazy, crazy place and time we're living in. Um, but you know, fortunately, we depend on international clients and long-term booking. So many of our clients book 12 to 18 months in advance. So it has kept us afloat, not needing um, you know, immediate money, but uh, clients booking and, 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 and issuing deposits for 2022 and 2023, which has uh, been an amazing uh, thing to help us through this uh, very tough time. But yes, I was lucky, you know, the camps, the, the people that are struggling most, and, and I think we, as South Africans, we all love nature. We all love wildlife. We all love going to the bush. We all love um, seeing animals and going on game drive and having a sundowner. And the reality is these places are at risk of, like, disappearing. Many camps are closing their doors, um, if only to open up again when things open up. But, you know, I've got mates who used to be guides. They're delivering pizzas. Um, they because they just have no income they a basic salary for a, a ranger at a lodge is like next to nothing and they depend on gratuities so you take that away and oak you know they might have a car that they can't afford or, a, or whatever it is it's it's so difficult man and with us going into the field i went with one of my co-owners andrew beck we went into sabi sabi we've been a couple of times now um, it's two of my the guides who work with me they out at a place called Umlani in the Timbavati uh, as we speak and and what we're doing is just creating a um, positive environment for people online both the camps so we do Instagram takeovers we do lives from the field um, and just creating a sense of awareness for those who follow these brands and, and clients and travelers that Africa is still going on animals are still doing what they do I think it's so easy to forget that because you you just everything is clouded in negativity and you you open facebook and it's uh, somebody that said something or a post about the number of deaths or whatever the case is and what i'm trying to do through this is just to create again like a positive mindset and share with people that that regardless of what happening what is happening animals are going on they're living their daily lives they're hunting they they avoiding being hunted and and everything else in between and it's been great to share that. I've taken over a few big accounts and sharing. Uh, you actually uh, took over the South African South Africa accounts. accounts. And it's great to share that with people. You know? and, and it just puts it into perspective. If it's only somebody watching my stories for two minutes, at least that's two minutes that they were like, man, I wish I was there. And from a travel perspective, it's great because it creates that sense of um, people wanting to travel again and you know, makes sure that people don't forget. You obviously deal with... M- 99% of people are international, I'm sure. So, um, everyone in America, whatever on TV, always says in South Africa, in Africa, because they think South Africa and Africa are the same place. Yeah. They obviously think we have lions running around, and I'm sure that you've had client, clients, customers that have come, and then they're actually shocked to see maybe how civilized different parts of Africa or South Africa are. And I'm sure you've maybe heard many stories of people that you've been with maybe from America because those seem to be the majority of people that think that 
you know, we ride lions to, to work. I'm sure there's some stories that you can tell us that you've heard from them. Yeah, man. I mean, I go to, I, this year would have been the first year that I miss a state a states trip or an America trip since I think 2012 or something. So uh, I go every year, I go to New York, especially um, go to the West Coast a bit, just all marketing and content and uh, TV shows and that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, it's it's funny, man. People will hear you from South Africa and like, where about in the in, in Africa are you yeah. from? I'm like, I'm from South Africa. Where in the south of Africa? <laughs> well, South Africa is a country, yeah. and uh, you know that's 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 my home. So not everyone's that naive, but definitely, you know, if you look at the amount of passports issued for Americans, it's very few, um, and they don't many tra- don't travel outside of their state. And I think if you look at America as a country, it's it's uh, it's very diverse. It's big. You can go game viewing. You can go skiing. You can go surfing. You can what? It's it's a big country. So I think a lot of people don't really feel the need to travel abroad, but it is a country that often gets uh, um, spoken about just in terms of some of the blaseness, if that's a word. I don't think so. Yeah. But of, close enough. Yes, <laughs> you get the point. And um, yeah, I remember one of, the, one of the first times I went to America and people found out where I was from. The same literally came up like. How did you get? How how did you find your plane ride here? How how was it? Was it scary? Take, take and I'm like, a dirt ride. Yeah, yeah, they're like, no, yeah, and I, you kind of play along, and yeah. oh yeah, it's my first flight, and it was it was amazing. I was like, do you guys have airports in in Africa? I'm like, yeah, you know, we we have a place where we fly from, and 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 then then the question comes up of you know, how's your village or like. Why are you white? You from Africa? Yeah, like, yeah. No, well, they, you know, it's, it's they are white people yeah, in Africa. It's crazy, man. It's it's good entertainment, and you can definitely play along with it. Um, another one you often get is uh, a couple of times. Do you know this uh, the Dupree family? It's like we we've met them, the, the Dupree family. I'm like Dupree. There's a lot of Dupree's in, yeah, in South Africa. It's, I've no idea who they are. So yeah, it, it definitely happens, man. And you just tell me you, you had an uncle that came to America once. Do you know them? Yeah, like do you know the Smiths? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, you've seen Ace Ventura, I'm sure. I have. So maybe that's how. That's why they think that Africa is the South Africa even is the way it is because of maybe you know Ace Ventura, <laughs> the, the movie that is portrayed in that way. So you. Bro, you've seen some amazing animals and seen some amazing sightings. Just last week when I was watching your story, I mean, that story of your leopard and the leopard that you were following for the whole day and then how the hyena, you know, came and stole the carcass from the leopard. I mean, sure, that's probably, that's a moderate story for you. I'm sure you have some crazy stories. Well, let me tell you, after like six months of lockdown, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. That's <laughs> more excitement than your your burbu going and eating oh, his food. Oh man, the, it was it was an incredible experience to be back after such a long time. But yeah, like I think the beauty of nature and why people love coming back for safari is that they every safari is different. In fact, safari is a Swahili word and it means journey. And if you think of coming on a safari and going on a journey, it's kind of similar because well, it is exactly the same thing, but in meaning um, and purpose, you go on a journey and you don't always know what you expect. You could have a flat tire, you could, you could, your flight could be delayed, you could meet people you didn't expect. And it's the same for a safari. You know, you can, you can go um, this week and you could come back to the same place next week and have two completely different experiences and encounters. Um, and something people often ask is why don't you ever get tired of seeing a lion? A lion is a lion, surely, and it, and you know it's not. It's different lions behave differently. They have different temperaments, different moods. Uh, you know, pride sizes, the dynamics within a pride, different areas and territories, and especially photographically, 
it keeps it exciting because I can take one guest. Many of our guests travel to different destinations with us. So they'll come to South Africa. Next year they go to uh, Kenya. Then they go to Tanzania. And even Kenya and Tanzania is very different, even though they both look like these open grassland kind of places. But it's, um, I never get tired of it. You see amazing stuff. And that's the beauty. So, you know, I can, I can see a line. You know, people look at National Geographic and they, they, go on, they want to go on safari and they expect what they see there to be happen on, happening on their 10-day trip or their 5-day trip. And, you know, I have a lot of mates in that industry. To film what you see in 45 minutes on National Geographic takes two, three, four years. Um, a documentary that we all love is Animal Planet, um, or Planet Earth, sorry, not Animal Planet. And those Planet Earth series, I think the first one took 10 years to film. Uh, so, you know, what goes into that series is just remarkable. And on the trips that I do, there's a potential that you could get a glimpse of something like that. You could see, like, you, you know, on my stories now, uh, we had a leopard at a quarter, warthog, um, right next to our camp so we drove like three minutes and you and you stop and you're with this cat and yes it's it's amazing and to see that action then a hyena ran in took the kill from him there was growling and fighting and you get that but you don't always see that and that's the challenge you know is, is I put that on social now somebody else wants to come in and they want to have the same experience but you know besides that I think stuff that I've loved is um, I've got a say famous but a very well-known series of photographs of a crocodile chomping a zebra's they head are, they are famous bro let's just be real <laughs> um and it's like some of the most goriest scenes i've ever seen and you know we were just driving along the, the banks of the mara river in kenya and we were waiting for a crossing there was a potential uh, wildebeest in the bank and they it looked like they were going to run through the river and um then we i saw this uh, big very big crocodile with a, a part of a zebra in its mouth just in the water and we stopped and looked around a bit and I remember one of my guests were he was in the same sighting Subi and um, with me in the con just looked and it looked I just and that's the thing you know building experience and just having a sixth sense of like what could happen I was like guys let's just stop here and it's it seems insignificant when you're in the Mara because there's like a thousand of them that die every day and it's not unnormal or unnatural to see a crocodile with a with a piece of meat or carcass so you don't always stop for it. But this is one, I was like, man, let's have a look. So he stopped and then he started chomping this thing. And it was an adult zebra head with half its neck still attached. And he was trying to chew it so that he could swallow it whole. They can't eat food. He was just trying to like, almost like soften it. So he was just chomping, biting down on it. And it just gave us this incredible series of photographs of this whole zebra head literally being swallowed by a six meter, one ton crocodile. And um, that was certainly something I'll always remember, um, vivid. And then also in the Mara, a lion called Scar, which is this epic male lion, man. I've got a tattoo of him on my arm. Um, he's, just, he's still alive. How he's alive, I don't know. His lions, male lions live nine, 10 years max. And I think he's about 13 and still part of a pride. Incredible male lion. Um, and every sighting of him is like, he's the most famous animal on the planet, I think. He's got his own Facebook pages, more followers than what we have combined. So yeah. it's uh, it's pretty cool Not to, that I'm to see. I, I add any to your no, come on, man. Um, But yeah, I see amazing stuff. Like there's, it's it's um, yeah, difficult to talk about it. Maybe I can give you some of the visuals, but definitely fortunate to see some of the stuff that you would see on National Geographic. Yeah, what, what I wanted to be talking about, I'll put on the YouTube video. Yeah. 
So you've, you've seen some crazy things. Have you ever seen anything that's maybe been unsettling or something? Because obviously, like, let's say in the Serengeti, you're watching the migration. Have you not ever seen, like, animal attacks or, you know, crocodiles eating something yeah. or something with a lot of blood that maybe upsets you? Hectic stuff, man. Like, I'm trying to think if I can, it's, like, PG-rated. But no, one of the... And like there are seldom that I put my camera the, the down. Uncensored, the uncensored stories. Um, we watched a uh, wildebeest give birth, and she had some troubles giving birth. So half the baby was halfway out, and it got stuck. Sure. And uh, and hyenas arrived on the scene and literally ate her alive. Do you, have, do you have photos of that? Obviously, I, I I didn't take it. You know, like I actually put the camera down because there was a point when I was like, man, this is like rough. this is rough. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like it was tough. It was midday. It wasn't wasn't great light. I definitely took some photos, but it was uh, it's like tough to watch. But you know, I see a lot of that, and I'm not too um, sensitive to blood. Or I document everything and uh, with it like lion kills, and I'll photograph it all. Um, but there was a, it was about, I think it was 2011, 12, somewhere around there that I worked at, a, at the Singita, this company for about six and a half years. And there's a leopard I followed from the day one to the end. And she was called the Ravens Court female. And, uh, she went through many successions of cubs and they didn't do very well. In fact, out of 16 cubs, only one that we know of has made it to adulthood. Sure. So that's in the Sabi sense, a lot of leopard, a lot of competition, and the cubs don't do that well. And she wasn't a bad mother, but uh, she was our, our resident leopard. We saw her every day on Game Drive. I tracked her multiple times, knew what her footprints looked like. Like, we knew her so well. And the one morning, my guest decided not to go on Game Drive. And I, I obviously stayed behind. I usually go out on my own, but that morning, for some of the reason, I didn't go out. And in this, um, in this uh, on the radio, I, I overheard that they found her up a um, tree, or her, her cub, she was about 12 months old at the time, was up a tree. At the base of the tree was this male leopard called Nialeti, who he's still around, he's an old boy now, but um, he was an incoming male at the time, so trying to stake his claim, and he was ready to make a point. And so we watched, uh, I heard on the radio, and it didn't make, it wasn't too concerning, but the cub was in, in a tree quite about six meters up, him at the base, wanting to have a go at the cub, and she, this raven's called female, lay about 20 meters off. Um, to the side and um, the next moment I hear on the radio that she was attacked and it looks like her neck is broken I was like what like the most hectic thing yeah. they've removed the guests because it was too sensitive guests were freaking out um, and then what had happened is this male bolted darted up this tree it was a knob thorn and in the fork of the tree was this young cub he was about 12 months old so fairly big and the male was um, on the vertical tree running up and he was fighting with this cub but he was literally holding on with one paw and the other paw was doing the hitting. And the cub was standing and also retaliating. He couldn't really go anywhere. But as that male did that, the female, the Australian school female, came speeding up like a... One of the guests actually took a video. I don't have access to it. But um, the speed at which she ran in and bolted up the tree with, I think it took two strides and she was six meters up. She jumped on his back. And with that, he let go and they both fell to the floor. And I mean, on the video, you can see he was on top of me, bitter. So he grabbed her by the back of the neck. And I'm not sure if the foul broke her neck. I don't think so. But he definitely bit her by the back of the neck hard and um, let go eventually. But with that, she couldn't get up again. And um, I remember driving out and um, with a good mate of mine, Ross Cooper, was a really good wildlife photographer. And we sat, sat with her and we called out a vet, but there was no way. She just spun in circles like 
growling and agitated. The cub was there watching, and uh, yeah, in the end she died. So we literally watched her sure. uh, breathe her last. And it's a leopard we've known for six years. It's like your dog at yeah. home, like dying in your arms. I couldn't hold her, but like it, we just sat right next to her, and just there was nothing you could do. And it was the craziest sighting. And, and as she died, there was a there's a butterfly called the guinea fowl. It's got these beautiful spots on on it. And it came and sat on her shoulder. I took this very pretty photograph, just her shoulder and her spots with this butterfly on her. And then it took off and flew away. Sure. Oh, that was that. That's crazy. And uh, that was, for me, the only time I like I actually shed a tear. Like, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It's difficult to watch, man. And that's nature. You know, these animals, as mighty as what they are, they could fall at any point. And... Um, you know, it's, it's very, as humans, we can't help but get emotionally attached. I think that's what also is so beautiful about what you do, is you're going out to something that's so volatile and such a hostile environment, but yeah. actually, the way you said it with, you know, this, this leopard that can literally, you know, can be, be, is like the king. Yeah. And then he has a little butterfly that can sit on it, and it's just like the whole beautiful image yeah. and the imagery and everything and the, the how actually fragile life is, yeah. even though when these things are in their prime they are actually incredible and you get to capture that and you get to every day or when you're there obviously yeah. every day be there and see nature and see what it is in the raw environments and i'm sure you sit there how sometimes i'm sure you sit there to get these images that you've got you must sit there for ages what's like the longest stint where you've just sat and obviously you need to move a little bit and whatnot but what's the longest stint you've just waited to get the perfect picture oh, the whole day we um, in the in the Mara, it's actually not uncommon to wait for long because uh, the Great Migration. You get like 10, 15, 50,000, I don't like you can't count it, but many tens of thousands of bullabies that come down to the river, and then you got to wait. So they, it's uh, I don't know if you've seen the memes, but like one walking down to the river, testing the water, and be like no, and another walking down, and they'll do that for hours. There'll be literally a hundred thousand bullabies on the bank waiting to run across the river to get to the other side usually they're looking for green grass or fresh rains on the other end and uh, they could get there and cross immediately or they can make you wait and i've waited the whole day literally from six seven in the morning until six seven in the evening and not seen a crossing just nothing happened sure. absolutely nothing um and so that's happened and then two years ago i was in south of Angua in zambia we came across a scene where there was a water a buffalo stuck in mud in the water and on our side, a pride of lions, and on the buffalo side, on the other side of him, a clan of hyenas. And I was like, man, this is like nine o'clock in the morning. And I look at this, I'm like, guys, we ain't going anywhere. We are gonna stay here. And the camp is really cool. It's, you know, South of Angola is wild, remote, in the middle of nowhere. And um, the camp is cool. They brought out uh, high tea to us. They brought out lunch to us. We, we just waited, we stopped in the shade. Cause I was like, if something's gonna go down, the buffalo's alive. These lines could run in at any moment to try and dispatch it. It looked like they chased it in there. It had some scuff marks. I think he took shelter in the water and then ended up being stuck. And um, so we spent the whole day there. And at five o'clock that afternoon, the lines finally stood up. So we could have gone home and come yeah, back because we, we literally just slept. There was six, five, five, five guests and myself. So six of us in this game here and we were just literally sleeping on the back of the car in the shade. And so absolutely nothing happened, like less than nothing. But we eventually, yeah, the, the lions walked in and the uh, hyenas, then five minutes of the lion stepping into the water, the hyenas ran in. And we had seven lions and three hyenas chased those lions out of the water. The sure. lions just ran, water splashing, growling. 
I think the lions were a little bit uncomfortable in the water. They were scared of crocodiles. And then I think the added pressure of the hyenas, they were like, stuff this. It's not worth it. And so they ran off. The hyenas ran in. And uh, yeah, they, they finished the meal. Gave us great photo- photographs of the hyenas fighting per- in the water. perfect time of day as well. Beautiful time of day, yeah. man. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a great sighting. But yeah, I waited from nine in the morning until five in the afternoon to uh, finally get some action. That must really have made you a patient person. <laughs> Uh, man, wildlife photography, these animals don't pose, they don't stay in the ideal light conditions, they, they, um, you always, know, always in long grass hidden, always in long grass, that's reality, you know, so for us, we, uh, you have to have patience, you got to wait it out, sometimes as you get there, like stuff goes down, otherwise you got to wait out, sometimes it just doesn't happen and you go home empty-handed. Yeah. You must, obviously you're working, but it must almost feel like you're always on holiday and you're always, because you're living your dream, so. I love what I do. Like I honestly, there's the guest side of it who are with me. I dedicate my time to them. The people who are with me on safari, they paid for the service. I give them my full attention, but I've become very good without affecting them to capture content on the side that I share to social. And that's, you know, to be able to be an ambassador for these animals, to be a voice to them in animals like rhinos, um, I was on the Jimmy Fallon show uh, last year um, and I shared about um, pangolins. Uh, I just thought like, what, what, what can I share about? What animal can I talk about? You have like four minutes. It's like nothing. It goes over within a split second. It's almost as nerve wracking as sitting here talking to you. And, um, no, and, definitely uh, <laughs> not. <laughs> but the, um, you know, we spoke and I got a chance to talk about pangolins we knew what we were going to talk about before and no one he didn't even know what a pangolin was no one even knew what it was they had no the audience was like oh when i showed a photograph they were like, what is this yeah. thing you know basically and it's the most trafficked animal sure. in the world you know even, like, even more than rhinos even more than rhinos you know they they um you they'll confiscate like 20 tons of pangolin scales now if you think of a pangolin and the scales, you know how many pangolins you have to put together to make up like 15 tons of pangolin. And um, yeah, so, so being able to share what these animals are going through, the stories, the challenges, like it's a good place to be in and it's something I really enjoy and use my you know, platform for and whatever I've built on there. Um, if I don't, then there's no point in doing what I do. So I love what I do, man. It's, it's, it's a big privilege. Well, they, these animals have given you so much and this is almost you giving back and having a voice for them because, I mean, obviously they can't speak for themselves so you are here giving them a voice and so they are giving you something which you love, which you enjoy and which you have Spot an absolute on. passion for. So yeah. that's almost, it's like, you know, talking, being a spokesperson for, you know, charity, that kind of thing is what you're doing for these animals. I'm sure, obviously, that Jimmy Fallon experience must have been mental. How was, how was that in New York? Was it in New York? Yeah. It was in New York, yeah. So I go to New York every year. I've, I've done a few TV shows that the one people wouldn't expect, like Martha Stewart show, um, which is a great one. She's, a, she's become a friend. She was a guest of mine. Uh, so I've done a few pressure shows, but that was definitely, you know, he's quite famous. And so it was definitely the uh, one where um, I felt like, a little bit well he's definitely probably one of the biggest talk shows in, in america <laughs> exactly. almost in the world actually. yeah so the um i'll tell you like the behind the scenes when you before you step on stage it's you stand in this like pitch black room behind the, the I, don't, I don't know if you've watched the show but the curtain yeah. as you walk in so you just stand in front of this curtain and it's you can't see anything around you they walk into a pitch black room with a flashlight and they leave you there and they go out and you're just standing there in the dark and then you can hear him introduce you and then as the curtains op- opens up the band starts playing and it's lights everywhere yeah. and 
I almost forgot to shake his hand. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've watched that video. You didn't look nervous at all. Man, I was like, it's a, it's a nerve-breaking experience. But it, it goes quickly, man. Like, it was, I think, four and a half minutes or something, the whole segment. And You obviously must have planned ahead of time what you're going to say. You do. You, then like, you didn't even say anything you probably it's, planned. It's always Yeah. Like, I, I, it, you know, you speak longer. I think the segment, it's not live. So it's, it, it gets put out live in five hours' time from the recording. So recorded at five, goes live at ten. Um, and yeah, just the actual content, I spoke, I think seven minutes, so they cut some of the stuff out, but you don't realize how quickly time goes and it's, a, it's, a, but I enjoy it. And I think I, 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 I thrive under pressure. I enjoy, um, that kind of stage and opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy making the most of it and, and, you know, it's an open door. So when I get back to New York again, one day I'll, I'll be able to do it again. And I'm very excited uh, to be able to share. Were you I able to meet him? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, beforehand. Before. Yeah, okay. he he actually it was funny, man. Um, we would have I would have spent some time with him afterwards, but he literally ran from there to meet Conor McGregor in a sure. bar, and they filmed a very cool segment. It's quite um, well viewed, but they went. It was like uh, I think it was um, Irish Day, National Island Day, or something, and everything was green. And he, Conor McGregor was in town for that for a big fight, and um, yeah, he went and hung out with Conor. So. I was like, oh, Jimmy, come on, he man. Had, he hangs out with you. And then Connor Connor or, or shows Marnet. that you're on the same, the same level as Conor McGregor. So yeah, that's no, quite cool. He had to hang out with me. But they actually did a segment with Conor in a bar. So it was, I, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll excuse you. you yeah, can, you're you allowed to go there yes. if you need to go to someone like that. Yeah, but um, right, next time we'll, we'll, we'll spend. I spoke to him about a little bit about getting him and his family on safari. So I, I, I think that'll be awesome. Young. I mean, just... A few photos with him, a few photos of him sharing you and his story. I think that can obviously help business a lot. Yeah, but for me, re- I don't say this uh, to sound um, whatever. I, I, I genuinely love people. I love connecting yeah. with people. And for me, as much as I stand to gain from something like that, it's an opportunity to bring what happens here onto his platform yeah. and to just generate massive exposure. For me, like... and. and I'll get the rock on safari. So that's That'll that's my cool. yeah. um, oh man. We 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 even have like I'm like you know how that handshake thing of how many handshakes you're away. Yeah. It used to be I think it was seven back in the day. Like you're seven handshakes away to any person in the world. I think with social media, it's like a lot smaller. Yeah. I mean you can I can DM Donald Trump. Yeah. It'll sit in his inbox. Who Whether knows? He, reads he, it or he not, might just reply. You like those kind of things. You never know. Exactly. You might just get lucky that one time. Man, that's how small the world's become. I'm looking at a book on your, uh, on your, on behind you that says social media marketing, um, and that's that's the reality. I can literally DM any brand, yeah. any company in the world. I don't have to package something in a mail or go try and get a meeting with the secretary of the secretary of the secretary for the P, you know, PR lady. Or it's so direct, and that's the beauty of it. Is you can now get your message out. You can get to know anyone in the world. You, it's it's right there at our fingertips, and I think. Once you realize that, your social media um, inspirations or aspirations just double because you realize a lot is possible. And through brands and um, people that you can connect with. It's crazy, man. I've been well, I mean, you just yesterday unboxed the first the first binoculars in South Africa. 100%. The Swarovski. 100%. And, um, you know, the Atomists that I've been using, I've, I've been DMing them since Feb, tagging them, tagging them, uh, the Atomists of Global, uh, the, the big uh, Instagram page of theirs. And finally, they replied yesterday. But how else would I have gone about? So now I can start working with them. Maybe I'll get some gear to use for future products or uh, experiences. 
but that's how simple it is, right? I just you just keep at it, keep DMing, DMing them, tag them, and eventually they'll get the message and they can reply. And so, you know, for me, I'd love to take the rock on safari. And if you're listening, Dwayne, <laughs> if he's listening you, to my uh, podcast, I'm, I'm happy. I'm yeah, happy like, guy. come on, get in there. <laughs> then we both <laughs> I'll, I'll have a training <laughs> session with him and then you can take, actually, I'll come with you guys on the safari. Right. That's better. Yeah, done, dude. Um, but, you know, like it's, that's the reality is I think once we, once we, I'm a, I'm a wildlife photographer, but I've used social media to build a brand. And I think we can all do that. We can, it's there. It's difficult in the beginning. You might start with one follower, um, but it's a long game and you just play it well, play it smart. Um, the world's right there. For and the that's taking. obviously what you've done is you've, you've been at it forever. You've been taking for, I'm not saying you're old. <laughs> <laughs> you've been dedicated. In, I mean, you, you, yeah, you may, okay. 24 <laughs> you see you don't look a day over uh, 25 and a half thanks so, <laughs> so you've you always you're always posting you always and so i mean what i enjoyed most and most about your feed and recently probably two days ago when you or three days ago whenever when you're posting that feed about that leopard and hyena the story that you told it's just the, the storytelling and the way you tell it and the way you portray the you know from the eyes of your, your weekend we literally feel like we're in yeah. that car with you yeah. and i think that's very special you know like that's the talking opportunity so i don't mean to talk too long here, but like talk think of uh, somebody like a david attenborough like absolute legend everyone knows who that is if you don't then like go and google <laughs> calm down <laughs> the um so you know that's an example of a the greatest documentary host and and um expedition voice. like he's just like one of the even greatest just, even just ever his lived. voice you know? yeah like yeah. he's the greatest he's just up there with like the best of the best and but if you think of today like how do you what's the reality of the there's a possibility that i could get a gig to do a uh, to 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 be a host on a on a tv series right it's there but before that I, i'm not going to wait for that opportunity i can use the platform that i have we have social we have if you have 500 followers 100,000 followers whatever you have you have an audience and you can narrate to them you can tell a story to them whether it's training videos and and what you go through on leg day and and how to take people along uh whether it's in my side you know and and trying to teach them of what nature's about and how a, a day on safari would be you know it's the same thing we, we've got an opportunity you don't have to be the host of a of a big tv show you're a host with you know to twenty thousand followers yeah. or a hundred thousand followers I think once you take that, you draw attention to what you do, you gain traction, you gain following, and, and it opens up more opportunity. Um, but in that, that's the beauty of this social media game. Everyone's an influencer. If I can influence one person to change their mind about a lion or a hyena, uh, my last post didn't do that well uh, to make them look better. <laughs> but, you know, that's, I've influenced somebody, right? Yeah. So everyone always wants, what, what is enough followers? Do you want to be like Ronaldo with... 220 million or is 100 million enough i promise you when you reach 100 million you'll want 150 million so nothing's ever enough no so there's no golden number when you can start doing everyone's waiting to i just need more followers and i can do it but it's never gonna get there just do with what you have now and raise awareness and and tell your story and that's what you've done you've chosen obviously you've got a very a niche market that but actually no you have a market that is you know appeals to everyone because obviously you everyone loves my 90 percent of people at least the, the minimum one people love animals yeah and it's not just you posting photos of dogs and cats you yeah. fo- you're posting photos of situations and scenarios that no one can actually exactly. get into and i think that's very special because that shows that you have 
I mean, how, how many people like you are there actually? There obviously are a lot if you think because I mean everyone, every single market that anyone gets into, every that's so saturated. Yeah. But you have elevated yourself compared to other. I mean, in South Africa completely, Thanks, and then obviously even internationally. So that's what helps you. So, it, with your following is that you create you know value to each and every person that follows you, and then what you also do with that is you don't just spew out tons of information. You put out quality content yeah. over you know just over over consumption of just quality or you put out content of quality rather than just spewing out content yeah. generally it's it's a case of knowing your like the plan the bigger picture and i started with this social media thing with a uh, when we could create a facebook we had a facebook friend group myself and james Suter, a mate of mine a really good photographer as well and also on instagram and james and i started something called the safari brothers um back in like 2009 we just started a facebook um we couldn't even do groups back then just as a name we could have 5,000 followers and, and nothing more sure. and it was a way for our guests to see and stay in touch with us so we didn't it was no bigger plan we just literally went on game drive came back put a photograph out and tell a story about it like that's when this all started like 11 12 years ago and it's just slowly grown from there and i think for everyone listening and you know, it's it's different like where do you start and you just you have to start somewhere and it is more difficult to build an audience now. There's algorithms and it's, there's, it's saturated markets and it's flipping difficult. But there's still an opportunity. It's still there for the taking. Um, and, you know, I, started, like, I didn't always do great content. But it's just as you grow and as you fulfill more of a role within what you want to do, you understand your, your, uh, what you can bring to the table better. You know how to do it better. Um, and, and, you know, you just, like anyone, you be, just become better at your craft you know like i would love to look like you but i don't have perhaps that same uh, environment and yeah, exactly and you can't exactly go to the gym at the you know go, go train with the, go train like, with the lions <laughs> or something we'll run well, away from some lions and i try and i'm not in like the worst shape but yeah, it's, no, it's, it's 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 um but but i'm not on that same level and so you can't so look at somebody i i 100 believe in mentorship and 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 looking up to people I, I i don't have a lot of time like i don't like to dedicate my time to people that don't add value to my life it could be friends i have very few friends small friend circle um and purely because i travel so much when i go get home for a weekend i don't want to go bry at somebody's house that i like that do i've got no and i've got no yeah, connection course, to the guy for me i'd rather spend my friday night with my family with my kids at home yeah. and like and to me that's greater value and I think for everyone, it's important to, to allocate time to the things that matter most. Time is like, man, look at the, this year's July. Like 2020 hardly exists. It's gone super quick. Actually, but it it's has. been terrible and it's been, there's been so many tough but things. But if you look back, it's gone man, fast. It's, as things just progress, time just goes faster and faster. And if you don't prioritize, if you don't understand what it is that you want out of this life, before you know it, it'll be, it'll be too, too late. And you'll look back and you think... I don't want to live with what ifs. I don't want to think like, you know, what if I did that? Things could have been so different, but I didn't, and now I am where I am. Yeah. Like, it sounds cliched, but it's hundred percent true. Um, I, I shared something from a, a, an explorer, Mike Horn, um, who's an incredible modern day explorer, probably the greatest of our current time. He's, he's even done the Dakar. Man, he, he does he's everything. A, he's, he's just, he's a crazy, amazing guy. And um, I saw a post from him yesterday where he, it's his birthday, I think his 54th birthday or something, and he's on his way to Greenland. They're going to do the Arctic, and he's boat Pangea. 
um, amazing guy. And he said in there, you know, I live every day like it's my last. And I genuinely, genuinely, when I look at him, I can, I believe him because it's true. When, when he speaks, when he travels, when he explores, it's like it's his last day. And so many of us might say that, but you don't really live it. But I think if you can take that to heart, take time and think about it, like if you really, if you were told, it's, it's, it's again, it's the shade, but if you knew you had 10 days, yes, you're going to live life very yeah. differently. If you knew you had two years, you're going to live life very differently. And we don't know, but you know, you don't want it to be too late. So like make the decision now, understand who you are, find that, that gap, if it's on social or wherever if it is and give it. If it means like quitting your job and starting again, do so responsibly, do your homework, you know, but, but drive towards that. You're just going to be unhappy, you know, be happy at life. It's too short. Make the most of it, man. Bro, I can't close any better than that. So thank you so yeah. much for closing. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I know Marlon appreciates every follow he gets. So if you want to go look at most beautiful animals, most beautiful situations, Everything in Africa, South Africa, it's the same place to everyone else in the world. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can appreciate animals. So I think go swing past Marlon's page and comment, like, and he will really appreciate any support because that's what he does. It He does it to create value to just one person. doesn't matter if 3,000 people see it. He cares about the one person that loves it and interacts and gains value from that. So, bro, thank you so much for coming Thank you, on. man. Thank you for the kind words and thank you for everyone who's listened. If, you, if people are listening this far in, then I'm, I'm, I'm proud and I've got, like, got the right guest on. So I'll thank share you so this much, as well. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. It, it means a lot. Sweet, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye-bye.